It's a two system podcast. Uh, Ellie's in the room. Hello. Ben's not in the room. No. I can't do. The, can you do an impression of Ben? Hello. Oh, yeah, that's quite good. <laughs> that good? Yeah. yeah, that was quite good. I think that. <laughs> uh, and then also, our guest today is Michael Hunter. Michael Hunter, say hi. Hi. Uh, Michael Hunter is a good friend of mine, so uh, it's quite nice to do podcasts with people we really like. Not saying. We'd like everyone we do a podcast. No, we do like everyone we do a podcast. <laughs> we definitely, yeah. definitely yeah. like everyone. Ooh, that was close. Um, but our topic today, because uh, Ellie's done a plan for about, what, five or six podcasts coming yeah. up, haven't we? We've got like a season. Good content coming up. And today's one is longevity in youth ministry. And can you explain what longevity is for those yeah. who don't know? Because it's Did you have to Google it as well? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I just asked you. <laughs> <laughs> what is longevity? Well, we were talking about, and we talk, just talked about that, that actually, how do you choose to commit to youth work beyond, you know, a couple of years? Mm. So how do you do it for a long time? How do you keep it, sort of, how do you keep that fire in your belly about it? And there's loads of things you could do to enable that to happen, I think. And so we're going to talk about Michael's journey. Uh, you've been doing youth work nearly your whole life, pretty much. Started when I was 25. Yeah. Wow. And you allowed to say how old you are now? And I'm 57. So yeah. 32, 32 years. Well, yeah. hey. Yeah. It's impressive. Um, so that is why we got Michael in, because that is, that is a longevity right there. <laughs> um, but before we get to go Michael a little bit, because most people won't know Michael, uh, we're going to crack out a couple of quality, quality questions. Yeah. Um, but also, we might do a Star Wars, because you're a bit of a Star Wars geek. Um, <laughs> if, if there was a Star Wars character sitting next to you on the sofa... Now, yeah. Who who would you pick? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. <laughs> I think I'd want to hang out with Luke, Luke Skywalker. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, good. No, he is pretty cool. I don't know much about Star Wars, yeah. but he just has that cool vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw the original Star Wars: New Hope uh, as a twelve-year-old in the cinema. Um, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and I saw it like ten times. Wow. In the cinema, because I loved it so much. And the soundtrack to Star Wars was the first album I ever bought. Wow. I could have conducted it. I could have been John Williams, no problem. Wow. Um, and then my brother and I used to go to sleep at night listening to the story of Star Wars, which was the movie, put the sound of the movie, the, all the voices, on an album. Wow. So we would go to sleep at night listening to the story of Star Wars. So I memorized every word. In the movie. I'd love to know what that did to you, like, subconsciously. Like, what, you know, all yeah. the, the... Which made him love Star Wars yeah. even more. Like, even yeah. now, at 56, yeah. 7. Did you say 56 or 57? 57. 57. I'm, I'm making you younger, man. Yeah. Uh, you still... Because we were talking about Obi-Wan comes out next week, and you're, like, pretty psyched for that. Cannot wait. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we know Mike's a bit of a Star Wars fan. I did look at lightsabers on Amazon last week. Uh, they're quite expensive to get proper lightsabers. Well, you can get proper ones. Yeah, they say ones that can't be broken with human strength. But, like, what actually comes out of them? No, it's just a... Okay. <laughs> no one's invented an actual <laughs> that's, 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 That would be quite cool. Okay. They, they do, though. I mean, There's everything some problems. changes, the yeah. world changes. I'm oh, pretty what, sure you can get hold of one. You definitely can probably get hold of something like that, like somewhere. It's yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be quite cool. Um, so, Mike, uh, that's good to get to know you about that. Uh, Star Wars character there, Luke, interesting. Um... I still think I'm sucker for Ahsoka. Who's that one? Yeah. She's like a Jedi. She's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. She was trained under Anakin before he turned. Yeah. And she's, she's, she's sort of an alien with... I don't even know what species she is, but... 
know what she's called. But she's got cool, big, sort of tentacles oh, yeah, at her yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. But she fights with two lightsabers, which makes her slightly cooler. Yeah. And she fights backhanded with one of them. Mm-hmm. So rather than so that way, like that, she sort of brings it from behind her, and it's almost her finishing move. When you know she turns the lightsaber, you think, "Well, you're you're stuffed now." And um, yeah, I love Ahsoka so much. Yeah. It, and bizarrely, I love her more in the animated. She was great in Mandalorian, but in Clone Wars, she's like, "Yeah." Sorry, Ellie's just looking at me no, and no, like no, geeking it, out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but I was just thinking as soon as you asked a question straight away, I was like Chewbacca. Chewy, it would just be so entertaining. Like I would just sit there cracking it. It would be fun to hang out with Chewy, but it would be hard to have a conversation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I wouldn't understand anything he's saying. (laughs) What do you think, Chewy? (laughs) (laughs) That would be enough. I think that's a yes. I think (laughs) seems like a yes. There we go. Uh, Now, Mike, another question: If uh, because you've got some pets at home. Yep. And you've got some children, which sometimes are the same thing, aren't they? <laughs> if you had a hundred, if you had to have a hundred of one animal in your, to, live with, to live with, they've all got to be the same species, what would you have? A hundred. You've got to have a hundred. That's a question, isn't it? We did it in the office last uh, week. Horses. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'd have a ranch. Oh, that is a good answer. What would you go for? Did You asked me this one. I did ask you last week. I can't remember what you said. I can't remember what I said. Did you say dogs or cats? Um, I I don't even know what I think I said cats because I did have like fourteen cats at one point and I looked after them all and I really loved it. I had like a kitten ranch. It wasn't a horse one, but it was like that. Um, but I'm like thinking of how I can benefit from the animal. So maybe like chickens. So then I would always have an endless supply of eggs. Wow. See, now I'm just thinking forty years time of you being like crazy cat lady, crazy chicken lady, but crazy chicken lady. <laughs> I said salmon because then I can just get a big pond in the back garden and eat them over oh, like a yeah. period of about six months because I do love fish. Can you thought, eat my pets? Yeah, but that's why I couldn't have a pet that had that sort of character, fish like a dog, character. right? Because that's like that's like a child, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Whereas actually, if you had something like a chicken, mm-hmm. you'd like it. Yeah, you can or eat a fish, those. you yeah. could eat those quite. Oh. Or even a pig. I know people name yeah. their pigs, but yeah, yeah. Claire would have. You could, pigs. but again, I that wouldn't. I would not consider that a pet mm. a pig no chicken uh, no, not pet, salmon no. any of those those are just that's just basically food you're going to eat yeah. that you're I just wouldn't be able to kill it eating then. for a while I'd be able to eat it just not kill it myself I don't think no you'd yeah. have to get someone else involved in that yeah um, now our topic today Mike is longevity and youth work yeah tell us a little bit in that sort of so you said you've been youth work for about 32 years yeah what sort of Fired that at the beginning that makes you as a 57 year old from my perspective yeah. as passionate about youth work as anyone I serve with so what did at the beginning that sort of started that spark yeah so I my plan at university uh, was to direct youth choirs I was a music major and so my first job in a church was actually to direct the youth choirs of the youth department. Mm-hmm. So I was hired um, as half my job to direct a senior high choir, junior high choir, and an ensemble. And then the other half of my job, I was the junior high minister. And that was about 250 kids was in the junior high department of our youth group. It was a big youth wow. group. And then I had about 100 kids that were in choir. Uh, over the three groups that and what I learned doing that is that I, I love music uh, and I 
good. And I really loved hanging out with kids. But I really realized through that period of time how much I just enjoyed the relationship part more than the musical part. Hmm. So the musical part um, kind of took took my energy, figuring out which songs we're going to do <laughs> and, uh, you know, all that bit. And the relational part brought me energy, just hanging out and being around the kids. So I was, I had a boss who, um, his strength was he gave me maximum freedom to figure it out. Which is nice. Try things, yeah. take risks. His weakness was he was not around to watch any of that. Why? <laughs> wow. So I was given what anybody, I think what a lot of people would love, which was maximum freedom. Go, go try stuff. If it doesn't work, that's fine. Try something else. But, um, but I wasn't given, I didn't, he, he was just busy. He didn't have time to be, to you know, just to be watching and contrib, you know, um, you know, I think you should do this or don't do this, you know, contributing, contributing, (laughs) critiquing. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, he just was too busy for that. So, but it was a great start. But I think through that, my foundation was really, I was a new Christian was, is coming to an understanding of that. We were all, we're all ministers of the gospel. If you're a Christian, you're a minister. That we've all been called to make disciples. Mm. All of us. Mm. None of us are left out of that call. Yeah. So, um, and I began, and this guy, my boss, um, discipled me. So he started discipling some guys. And we'd have to meet on a Thursday morning at 6.30, showing up at this restaurant. And he did that to kind of create this sense of, are you really committed? Are you all the way in? And we would not miss Thursday mornings at 6.30 with, um, with Andy. And then he did this thing one week that has stuck with me 32 years later. He, it was just the two of us in the restaurant. And he looked over and there was a, an older guy sitting in a booth with another guy. And he said, see that guy over there? And I said, yeah. He goes, that guy discipled me. I was like, oh, cool. And he goes, and he doesn't even know me. I said, tell me about that. Wow. And he said, that guy discipled a guy who discipled another guy who discipled me. And then it was like the sixth sense. He goes, look around the room. And I hadn't noticed this before. But all over this restaurant in booths were men opening their Bibles and discipling other men. And he goes, that's all done to that guy over there. Wow. This is his legacy. It's 6.30 in the morning. 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. In the same restaurant. Absolutely chock-a-block with men doing Bible studies, discipling other men. Wow. And Andy said, that's what you should spend the rest of your life doing. I said, okay, that's what I'll do. (laughs) So for me, it was this picture of that we're all to make disciples, that we're all called to something by the Lord to make disciples. It just depends on... You know, what age your your disciples that you're making might be men, might be women, it might be children, it might be young people, it might be, you know, people in the army, whatever. And it doesn't really matter what your job is. Mm. Mm. That That's irrelevant. Uh, the point is, whatever your job is, wherever you are in life, you should have two or three people you're pouring into. Yeah. Mm. 
So um, I can remember, I was doing my youth choirs, but I also had a Sunday school class I was teaching and had these two boys in it, uh, Chuck and Steven, and I just initiated with them. I didn't know much, but I just knew that's what I'm supposed to do. So I just said, hey, let's hang out, and we started hanging out. And the way we structured our um, Sunday school back at, at this church was, once you started with a class of boys or girls, you stuck with that class until they graduated high school. Wow. So I had a group of boys that I started when they were 13, and I was their Sunday school teacher until they were 18 and they graduated high school. Nice. And these two boys were in that class. And so we hung out for the next however many years, all the time. I was, because I was single, I was just like, hey, let's go to the movies, let's go. I mean, we would stay up, you know, till two in the morning playing video games, just mm-hmm. whatever, on a regular basis. So for me, it, I, I got early days, I got this foundation that um, that you're supposed to be making disciples. And it's not just about a Sunday school class on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Everybody there that was teaching Sunday school had a group of kids that they were initiating with outside of church. Yeah. That they were spending, that was their crew. They would have them over to their house for meals. They would go on trips, all kinds of stuff. Take them on adventures, go to camp with them. And so I got a foundation put in me for right away at the very beginning of my youth ministry of what it's supposed to look like. And it hasn't changed. Yeah. In 32 years. That's what it looks like. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, so I think that because I had that foundation and I had a theological understanding that I am called by God to go wherever he wants to go and do whatever he wants to do. That's just my picture in life. That that has just always stuck with me. So at the end of my time at this church, I had met my wife, Beth Ann. She was on Young Life staff. And I was going off to Dallas to go to seminary to get trained. Because I remember, again, as I started at this church, I was a new Christian. I had very you know, basic understanding of the faith. And there was a pastor there, executive pastor of the church. So he's kind of like the the chief of staff or the senior pastor. And he kind of adopted me into his family, poured into me. And and a couple times he said to me, what do you want to do with your life? Which, by the way, we all need that. We all need an older mentor that will just listen and bring some wisdom, you know, the Yodas of the world. (laughs) And um, he said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I think I want to do this. I said, I, th- I really think I would like to do this for the rest of my life. He said, perfect. You need to go get trained. Mm. I was like, and then he said the word seminary, and I heard cemetery. <laughs> and I thought, that sounds terrible. Let's not do that. And so I was very resistant to going off. But then I started taking classes uh, at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary that were that were like a weekly thing. I would go to a class and I would sit with some people, but that was going to take forever. That was like one class at a time. Goodness gracious. How long am I going to have to do that for? And then my two best friends who were also in that discipleship group that I was in said, Hey, we're going to go to Dallas theological seminary in Dallas. I was like, well, then I'm coming to not going without me. (laughs) So the three of us moved to Dallas. I moved there and got married and um, we all went to Dallas together. And it was a, you ready for this? It was a four-year master's program. Oh. Four years. And I was 30 years old 
that's a quite, a, quite a commitment. It was a massive commitment. I thought this sounds like my whole life. This is forever. <laughs> this is crazy. I had to take Greek and Hebrew, learn how to translate the Bible from the original languages. Yeah. It was a lot. But that decision set me up mm. for life. Because as they said when you went to seminary, we're not gonna teach we're not gonna give you a fish. We're not gonna give you all the information. We're gonna teach you how to fish. Mm. We're gonna teach you how to teach yourself. To, to continually be a learner the rest of your life. So Beth Ann, my wife, um, got a job as an area director with Young Life. I went on Young Life staff as student staff, and I was working with her. She taught me and modeled to me what it looked like to do amazing relational, incarnational ministry, because she was all the way in, loves kids, still does. And I was then going to school and learning, getting all the theological foundation of how to teach myself and to teach others. <clears throat> so that, that, was, that set me up with the mindset that I'm going to do this the rest of my life. So the theological training, the foundation I got at my first church, and then this, you know, Dallas Seminary put me in a position really build a foundation to be able to do this for a long, long time. And the other thing that happened uh, was marrying Bethann. Because once I had a spouse who was all the way in as well, mm. who loved kids and was like, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life as well. I was like, well, then we're, we're, we're set <laughs> up to do this. <clears throat> so, no, now that wasn't easy because our styles of leadership and our ways of working with kids dramatically different so we had to figure that piece out that, that wasn't just a simple let's just do life together Woo, it'll be fun <laughs> at first it was really difficult because i would be like no we're supposed to do it this way and she'd be like no it's supposed to be this way and i'm like oh we have two very different pictures of what youth ministry is supposed to look like and how we're supposed to do it so we had to really be mindful of that but we both had a complete and utter commitment to doing it. And then my wife had grown up in Taiwan as a missionary kid. Oh, wow. So she hadn't lived in America that long, and she was never expecting to live in America the rest of her life. She, was, she came to the table going, I'm going to go wherever the Lord calls. Mm -hmm. And um, so while we were at Dallas Seminary, we began to kind of go, uh, where, where should we move to? Where should we live in this world? And I'll never forget um, this French missionary American, who's a missionary in France, I should say, said this to me. He said, Michael, if you walk into a room and there's a big grand piano in the middle of the room and they need to move that piano out of that room and you walk in and on one side of the piano is three, three or four big hefty guys and on the other side of the piano is a little skinny guy, what side of the piano do you go to help? I said, well, you go help the skinny guy. He goes, of course. He said, 95% of all the young people in the world don't live in the USA. They live somewhere else. But 95% of all the paid youth workers in the world live in the USA. Hmm. You don't, you've now walked in the room and 95% of all the paid youth workers are in the US and there's a little skinny guy on the other side of the piano where you're going to go <laughs> and you're like, shoot, you got me. And he was like, yeah, you he goes, 
the world needs people out there working with young people. Mm. Staying in Texas, where you go into a high school and the Baptist youth minister's there and the Catholic youth minister's there and the, there's all these other churches all going into that school, you realize these guys don't need us necessarily to be here. Mm. Um, let's go somewhere where we're the only people walking into the school that know Jesus to go work with those young people. So we began to explore that. We went on a mission trip to India. We went to China. I went on two mission trips to Romania. And the Lord began to put on my heart to leave the U.S. to go somewhere else where they really needed some more paid youth workers to help reach kids. But I'll never forget my wife. And I having a conversation about this. And she said something that, again, still resonates with me today. She said, I'm married to you. So wherever you go, I'm going. <laughs> wherever the Lord leads us, I'm in. She had no reservations about going anywhere on the planet Earth. There was no, I will only go here. There was none of that. And I think that was how I had always believed as a, a Christian. If, you're, if you are following Jesus, then you are following Jesus. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Wherever he decides to go, that's where you go. And wherever he decides to stay, that's where you stay. Hmm. So um, that's that's been my lifetime understanding. So that's the picture. And I've always believed that this is a calling, Hmm. that I've been called to young people, period. Hmm. Um, That's my calling on my life. And so I think that's, that's kind of the mixture of why I'm still doing this is because my calling hasn't changed. And I'm still following Jesus, so I'm just trying to go wherever he tells me to go. Can I go back to the picture of the, the 6.30 a.m. Yeah. restaurant? Yeah. Because I think that really stuck me. Because I think one of the big struggles we sometimes have, and I think I probably have this as well, is of, of feeling like what we're doing works. Mm. So that fruit element, isn't it? Even though a lot of our ministry sometimes we're planting and we're mm-hmm. preparing ground and we're... We don't harvest maybe as much as we should, but we don't sometimes see that fruit because God's doing a work over decades, mm-hmm. isn't he? And mm-hmm. that, that guy was a great illustration of saying, actually, mm-hmm. he wasn't the guy that discipled me. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and, and I think sometimes we give up because we don't see fruit mm-hmm. in the, well, I've been doing youth work for a year now. Why hasn't the whole town been saved? You know, it's that whole thing. But fruit is a really important element, isn't it? It is. So how how do we sort of, you know, rather than going after it and saying, oh, please validate me that you need me to be here. How do you get that balance of actually, it's, fruit is really helpful for seeing that we're where we should be, yeah. doing what we should be. Because sometimes no fruit might mean we're not in the right place. Yeah. Um, so actually, I'm just curious about that. That was really helpful to know that what that guy does works. Yeah. And so actually, how do we find that fruit and realize that? Well, for me, um, I started hanging out with these two boys, Chuck and Stephen, and I just poured into them. And again, I knew loads of other young people. I had you know all these kids who came along and did choir with me. I took kids on mission trips to inner city Philadelphia, to Romania. I knew loads of young people, um, but these two guys were my guys. And um, that was, for me, uh, my fruit. And 
to see them go on with Jesus. And Chuck has been um, a minister at two different universities and uh, and still has a powerful ministry. I mean, the legacy goes on and on with him. And then when I went to Dallas, I had four guys that I met every week with that I poured into. And they, they went on to, to make disciples. And then when I got to England, I had a bunch of guys that used to come over to my house every week that I poured into. And there, there's still some of those that I keep in touch with. They're still out there making disciples and hanging out with kids. So I think for me, um, I look back over all the camps we've done. and I've done loads and loads of different things in youth ministry. But what the fruit that I'm reminded of is these guys that I really poured into. And I just tell people, if you get into youth ministry, you should have some guys or some girls that mm-hmm. you pour your life into. Mm-hmm. And it should doesn't need to be 20 or 30. Just start with two or three. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even just one. And really give your life away to them. And um, regardless of what happens in their future, whether they stay with the Lord or not, I think you'll find that success is that you poured your life. You you gave your life to somebody. You gave your life away. Mm-hmm. So um, I promise you this. If your youth ministry is about big events, setting up chairs, if it's about stuff and it's about a lot of different people, it, it just doesn't last. It's It's got to be, there's got to be a depth there with a few people that you've really seen grow in their faith that you've given your life away to. And I remember, um, I wanted the kids to all think I was cool, you know, so I can remember um, early days I was driving a 10-passenger van and there was a bunch of us driving these vans down the road and the kids in the van were like, go faster, you know, go faster. And I wanted them to like me, so I went faster <laughs> and I passed some of the other vans. Uh, and I'll never forget, I pulled into the church parking lot and this mother came straight over and got directly in my face because her daughter was in the van with me and I had passed her on the highway. Oh, no. Speeding, flying down the road. And she was just like, I have entrusted my daughter to you and you just did that. Mm. She said, you shouldn't, you should not do that anymore. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. And it was a moment for me to realize that it wasn't about me being their buddy. Mm. Uh, and making sure they all liked me. Because that, again, is fleeting. It was about me helping them come to know and follow Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's challenging. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be the person that challenges them and says, what you're doing right now is not okay. Mm. And they don't like you for a while. Mm. And you got to be okay with that. Mm. So if your youth ministry is built on that everybody thinks you're awesome, then it will not last. Yeah. It's fleeting. Yeah. But if your youth ministry is built on introducing them to Jesus, then it's not down to how cool you are mm. or not cool you are. And it's not down to if they like you or not. It's more down to how they got to know Jesus. And that requires bumps in the road. That requires ups and downs. That requires sometimes hard conversations. Mm. That if your ministry is built on everybody liking you, you you will not want to do and you'll resist doing and run away from. And then when things get hard and you don't feel like people like you like they used to, Mm -hmm. you'll leave. 
Yeah, you give up. up. Yeah. And it won't last. And unfortunately, youth ministers, they, you know, the average, what, 18 months to last in a job, two years. Do you think that's because it's looked upon, like, almost like the jobs in the secular world? You know, it's not, there's not much, like, progression. It kind of is quite, it stays the same, doesn't it? And people are like, okay, well, what's next? I think it's because they don't, they're, they are not doing it because they're called to do it. Mm. I think they're trying it out to see if it's something they'd like to do. Um, if it's your calling, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. <laughs> you figure that bit out. If it's your calling to go hang out with young people, then that's what you go do. And the money piece comes along later. Mm-hmm. So when I started at this church, I wasn't making anything. I was making peanuts. But it was my calling. So the Lord moved me to a new place. And I was able to make a bit more money, but really... You know, and sometimes people start doing youth work and they think, oh, they start getting overly ambitious. Like, I'm doing this so I can move up a ladder. And again, mm. doesn't last. that doesn't last either. Mm. Yeah. If your calling is young people, then that's what you do. And this is kind of what inspired the idea for this chat, wasn't it? Because mm. I think I posted something on my Instagram story and obviously I have a seven-year-old son and a lot of the neighborhood kids are always in my house and I posted and I was like, Oh, it feels like every day is youth group. And then that's what you said, wasn't it? It's, what, what, you said something I specific. said, well, there's a difference between people that are youth, youth workers and people that do youth work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, the ones that are youth workers will have kids around the house doing laser tag, even when they're knackered not, after not a day's work. Yeah. The do youth workers will run an event and put it all into the event. And I said, that's, you want to find people that have this sort of DNA of youth work, don't they? And I said, that's why it was really encouraging. So you post all this stuff going, yeah, when you're knackered after a day's work, you don't want seven-year-olds running around your house with a laser tag. But that's what you chose to do. And it's that choosing, I think, even when it's hard, it's that choosing when there's no real fruit tonight. And I wonder whether that's the battle in our current world, is that everything is very... Yeah. Immediate, 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 yeah. quick, flick, roll, and 15 also seconds. Selfish, isn't it? It's yeah. like, what are we getting from it? But actually, yeah. a lot of the time, you feel like we don't really get anything back from it. We don't, or we don't see that. Yeah. Um, it can, yeah. Well, I mean, when I started, I can remember feeling, you know, there was almost this sense of, oh, all these kids really like me. And you get a lot of mm. your kind of source of strength from that. But um, eventually, you hit a point. Like when I started doing Young Life, and it wasn't church kids, it was unchurched kids who were all shooting the bird at me and cussing at me and telling me, get out of their face. You go, oh, okay, if I'm not called to do this, this is not the same. And that's another thing that can happen is you you might work with a youth group or have a, you start with a youth group and you have a group of kids who really like you. And then they grow up and then a whole other group comes in and they don't like you as much. You're Mm -hmm. not as cool to them. And, and again, if it's down to you and how much they like you, then you'll just back it. Mm. But if it's down to I'm called to young people, period, then um, then you'll stick around. Mm. I remember somebody saying that to me early days when I was at seminary. They're like, if you're not absolutely convinced that this is what you're called to do, when it gets hard, you will leave. Yeah. When the money runs out, when the relationships get bumpy, when you have a leader who's mad at you and talks about you behind your back, when all those things happen, you will just say, forget it, we're done. Mm. But if you are absolutely convinced this is the thing the Lord's called me to do, period, then you can keep going. Mm. Because 
you'll see the hard bits through a prism that is the Lord is allowing this yeah. to happen, to grow me, to shape me, to help me be more like him rather than he's moving me out or this is too hard, mm. I give up. So, um, so I think it is important to see it as a calling. But I do think you want to see fruit. You don't want to be banging around all the time for years and feel like we're not getting anywhere. But I think if you're ministry is relational mm. not you know organizational or event based if it is I am here to minister and and love these this group of young people mm. then you'll always see fruit mm. you know what I'm saying yeah. I wonder what I think I think there's numerous reasons that people don't stick with it some of which we can't solve yeah. you know um, I think one of the ones and again one of the things you touched on of uh, of being allowed to to try things yeah. in your first job is I wonder whether one of the wrestles of youth workers is this it looks the same I'm sort of going through the motions season in season out yeah sometimes if I'm not allowed to be creative mm-hmm. uh, and, and try things and do things a little bit different go different places then I'm actually going to get a little bit um it's going to get a little bit grey, a little bit beige, and then I am going to lose a bit of energy. Yeah. And I remember when I moved from a youth work job to another youth work job, but in the same church, the job title change was really key for me because it said to me, I want to behave differently mm-hmm. in this new role. I don't just want to carry on doing the same thing. And we've talked about 267, haven't we? The next season, we want to mm-hmm. behave differently yeah. so that in a year's time, 267 still isn't the same as it is. Yeah. But that requires a certain pushing the envelope a little bit, a little risk, a little boldness. And, and to sort of not just spare your blushes, Mike, one of the things I loved about what you've done this year is even at 57, you've chosen to give a massive chunk of your time to join with Step, the schools work team, and going to schools because that is where young people are. So where we are in St Albans and Harper, and the schools work team have access to 17,000 teenagers. Those 17,000 teenagers aren't in our churches. Uh, there's maybe a few hundred of them, they're in schools. And so actually, rather than carrying on being in church and being a youth worker in a church and running youth group, which is worthy, actually you've said, I'm going to do something a little bit left. I'm going to go into schools because that's where they are. How is that sort of being really creative and trying things differently, how does that help you continue to love your calling and choose to do that? Because you could, as a 57-year-old, you could quite easily sit back and coast for the next decade and, and get paid for it, couldn't you? It'd be, it'd be quite easy to do that and go through the sort of everyday things. Yeah. But you've said, actually, no, we know your heart is what you've shared. But why does that really help you stick with it, going into a school, doing things really differently like that? I think that, um, for sure, um, we all want to feel like we're progressing. Mm. So as you get older, married, you have kids... You want to um, feel like you are given more responsibility. You're making a bigger difference. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. I also know that if you, uh, like, I ran Young Life Clubs for many years. And you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'd like to do something a little different than this. This is, <laughs> you know, this is great, but I, I, I want to give this over. I think that one of the things that was instilled in me early that I think has meant a lot was to to have this picture. And I'm always working myself out of a job. Mm. 
that I am replacing myself on a regular basis so that someone else can do this and then I can then be ready to do whatever the Lord wants me to do next. So I think that is a really healthy way to operate in life is that it's just mentoring. It's bringing up the next generation and not holding on to something and be like, no, I'm the person who does this. Mm. You know, I love it when pastors bring in young 20-somethings and they teach them how to preach and they give them slots to preach. I think that's a brilliant idea. Mm. Uh, and I think we should all be doing that in our ministries. Um it's scary because you're like, well, if I work myself out of a job, do I not have a job? <laughs> right? But in ministry, I think that you always will. The Lord yeah. will always have more for you to do. So there's got to be this mentoring that's always going on. So, and I think that it's amazing how many guys I talk to in particular who every seven years have this seven-year itch where they're a little bit like, "Is am I re-upping on this? Am I going to keep going? And uh, And then they always, as well, when they hit the zeros, 30, 40, 50, they have this mm -hmm. reevaluation of my life. And is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? This just happens. So I think you want to have those progressions. And I've been able to do that. I've been able to have a progression on what I'm doing. But I also think that as you get older and you progress in maybe your sphere of influence or your, your job responsibilities, if you're a youth worker, you who loves kids you still you should still yeah. find ways and places where you're hanging out with kids mm -hmm. um i mean i would love to have my pastor or a pastor of a church talking about sharing their faith by giving me current examples mm. you know we should all be sharing our faith let me tell you about yesterday i was having coffee with a guy sharing my faith with him mm. that's what we want we don't want to hear an example from 20 years ago yeah you know, it was 20 years ago, I was just like, tell me about yesterday. Mm. So in the same way, I think to, to stay uh, current, to stay passionate, fresh, you know, we should be hanging out with kids. Yeah. Even, even when we're 57. Even when we're 67 or 77 or 87. Age is just a number. Mm. It's not part of the whole makeup of what does it mean to be a great youth worker. Uh, I think a great youth worker is a person who loves kids mm. and loves Jesus, period. doesn't matter how old you are. And we're quite sort of, I think we are privileged to work for organizations. You and I, so we work for youth organizations. Yeah. If I'm, so some of our people listen to youth pastors in churches, they're youth workers mm. in churches. Um, that's maybe slightly trickier to, to push that creative envelope a little bit. Yeah. So what, what do you think, I mean, going into school is a great thing, isn't it? I yep, think if a, absolutely. if you're a youth worker in a church, there should be a chunk of your time, even if you don't feel equipped. Yeah, there should be a chunk of your time. We say, I'm going to go and where the young people are. Yes. Well, so we got a good friend Rob who loved playing basketball, mm -hmm. and his church car park is on the route home from school. So he bought a basketball hoop and a load of basketballs, and he's worked out he has them for like twelve minutes before they're going to get buses. So he has these short. Mm -hmm basketball competitions and stuff like that. And that is him just sort of saying, well, they're not going to walk into my church or a youth yeah. group, so that's where I'm going to meet them. And so that is a really creative way for a youth worker to say, actually, mm -hmm. I've got a youth group maybe twice a week. Um, what am I doing with the rest of my time? What will bring me life is to go where young people are. And school is a really good thing for that, is it? Mm. To be able to say, is there any other things that sort of people that are working for churches mm -hmm. can do that 
pushes that creativity a little bit so they can say, actually, I'm still loving this, I'm still mm-hmm. growing, mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. Bear in mind, I'm aware that some of them will have a minister that is less creative and <laughs> is risk-averse, you know. And yeah. we're in a, we have a church, I think, nationally that is sometimes risk-averse. Yeah. Um, well, I would say um, another thing that's helped keep me going um, is not trying to do this all by myself. Mm-hmm. You've got to have some buddies to cheer you on. So um, I think that, you know, for the past 10 years, you know, Mike has been somebody, you have been someone who's cheered me on. And I think that's vital. Um, iron sharpens iron. Proverbs mm-hmm. twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron for one man, or woman sharpens another. Mm-hmm. The people that we spend time with will influence us more than we can even know. Mm-hmm. So if you are spending time with people who, Believe in you, support you, challenge you, love you. You can keep going. Mm. You, everybody needs a great mentor. Mm. Everybody. If you're listening to this and you don't have somebody that you can go sit with, who uh, you can share stuff with, who can just cheer you on and mentor you, you need to go find one. Mm. Mm. Don't wait for them to find you. Mm. You need to have some buddies. You need to have a couple guys or girls who you hang out with and who love you and pray with you and you cheer each other on as you're pouring into other people. If we just pour out, mm. then we dry up. Mm. We've got to be poured into as well through time with Jesus and time with great friends. Mm. So um, if you want to stay creative, hang out with creative people. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, different voices, different, different ideas. Voices. Yeah. Be in groups with other people. Again, um, if you want to have new ideas, then go to the National Youth Ministry Weekend. Yeah. Go to places where there are new ideas. Yeah. Don't sit around feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Be proactive and be like, okay, who are some other people who are doing youth ministry I can hang out with? Mm-hmm. And then go hang out with them. Who's some people who are doing a great job of reaching kids? I'm going to go spend time with them and see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you can do that online. You can do that via Zoom. You can watch YouTube videos. But... Um, you know, it's easy to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. Boo hoo, boo hoo. No, no one kids loves coming me. to my youth group. Yeah, exactly. No one loves me. <laughs> you know, I tell kids all the time, you want a great friend? Everybody wants a great friend. I said, you know how to get a great friend? It's not hard. Be a great friend. Yeah. yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. Go be a great friend and you'll have a great friend. <laughs> so instead of sitting around waiting for somebody to choose you as a friend, you go choose them. Yeah. You're, you're now my best friend. I don't know if you knew that, but you are. And so we're going to be great friends. I actually did that when I was at university. After my dad died, I didn't have anybody that I knew really well. And I determined in my heart, uh, I'm going to have great guy friends. And so this guy shows up named Carrie at university, and we become friends. And in my heart, I didn't tell him this, but in my heart, I was like, this is my best friend. And I'm going to be best friends with him, and he's going to be best friends with me. And uh, I'm imagine you like seven with a little action yeah, man, yeah. that sort of thing. Isn't <laughs> it? That's all. And, and so, and the cool thing is, he's coming in August, and we're gonna go hang out in Norway for a week together. Thirty something years later, because we're, he's still one of my best friends in the world. Love because it. I determined that's what's gonna happen, and that's what happened with Mike ten years ago. We met each other, and it was like, dude, we're we're gonna be best friends. This is happening right now. So there we go. 
So you can actually do that. You can actually find some people and go make a decision. Make a decision. You're going to be a great friend. I'm going to be a great friend to you, and we're just going to hang out together. So we need that. We need to be challenged creatively. And if we, if you are in a church and you have a youth, uh, a pastor of your church, who's an absolute um, pain in the butt. I don't think there's any of them out there, are there? Here's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Right? You need to hang out with your pastor. Mm. When you feel like leaning away, lean in. Yeah. Build a relationship. Yeah. Make sure they know how much you love them, support them, pray for them, and are cheering them on. Mm. Don't run away. Because if they are in a bad place... Mm. The last thing they need is to feel more discouragement mm. or more people running away from them. They need somebody that will come alongside and be like, are you okay? Mm. How can I pray for you? And I know that may be intimidating if you're 23 and they're 53 or 63. But I promise you as a 57-year-old, if I had a 23-year-old working for me who came to me and said, how can I pray for you? How mm. can I encourage you right now? That would mean the world to me. Yeah. Mm. It absolutely would. If somebody is struggling, if they're, you know, they got a temper or whatever else it is, just know there's something going on in their life that they're not, they feel threatened by and they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. And they just need somebody to help them. And it may not be you, but at least you can be there to support. let them know I'm praying for you and I support you. And it will, it will, it will dramatically change your relationship with that person. So. I promise you, pastors want to reach more people mm. and they want to feel successful. So if you can come up with some successful ideas and even though they're a little risky, they're going to want to do them. Yeah. You can help them overcome that. Yeah. You really can. Uh, but they're busy, they're tired, they're, they're thinking of quitting. There's a lot going on in the back of their minds mm. and they just need some support and some help and some cheering on as well no. just remember that yeah mate this has been amazing i feel it's like i want to so listen to yeah. the podcast again once we get out um just as we sort of finish i think one of the things and we've just started this together as a as a group of friends haven't we is is that whole thing about finding other people so we've just begun this thing we're calling the st Albans youth work collective aren't we and <laughs> it was really interesting when we put up the picture loads of people saying oh i want to I want a collective. I want to join a collective. I want to come and join your collective. Like all over the country, it was brilliant because there is there's just something about that seeing other people's story, hearing their heart and passion. It almost sort of fires you up again, doesn't it? And then you still and there's no such thing as a new idea, isn't it? There's just one you borrow and you slightly tweak it for your own. So I think I'd say to everyone is actually it is echoing what Mike said is find those people. <clears throat> Spend time with people that are slightly different from you, mm. that have a different story, that have a different thing that they love, and and then figure out how you can grow each other because that will keep you with new ideas, new energy, new passions, but you also you're doing it together. There's this unity mm-hmm. and this tribe mentality that we're calling. Um, yeah, so find those people. If you haven't got them, come to St Albans and mm. you can hang out with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, Michael, thank you. It's been a joy. Uh, I've loved it. Ellie and I have just sat here just like sponges. I didn't go to church on Sunday, so that's my message. (laughs) I I was away. I was visiting family. To to finish with the Star Wars, I feel like we've sat with Yoda. Mm. 
That's what yeah. I feel like. Yes. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> he sat next to Michael. <laughs> He's whispering yeah, everything in his ear. Yes. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Thank you, guys. Uh, have a good week. Look out for the next podcast soon. Bye.